Good morning. Let's use our Bibles. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I'll read from verse 1 down through verse 11 in just a moment. The sermon series <clears throat> for this year. <coughs> I'm sorry. The sermon series for this year, once a month sermons, is about this theme. What a difference it makes when you just use the Bible. And we have covered so far this year eight basic subjects from the Bible. God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Old Testament, the New Testament, becoming a Christian, being a Christian. Last month, the church with a follow-up about the local church last week. So we are ready today to consider what the Bible says about the second coming of Christ. I believe this is a good introductory passage. Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed, by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This passage demonstrates a significant turning point in the historical truth of God's work through Jesus Christ for our salvation. Luke writes about this very important 40-day period. After Jesus arose from the dead 
and before he ascended back into heaven. During that time, Luke says, Jesus was with his apostles speaking about the kingdom of God. And the apostles had their question, but this wasn't like a press conference. Jesus said, you wait in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then what must have been one of the great significant events that these people were able to observe. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. I want to talk to you this morning about the second coming of Christ. And I want to start here. Here's what we need to know. First, this passage we've just read in Acts 1.11 is an affirmation in the presence of the apostles who would be the witnesses the chosen men who would deliver the gospel. Now, an affirmation is an announcement that carries no doubt. It isn't speculation. It isn't theory. It isn't suggestive of possibility. Who said this? Two men in white robes, not identified here by name, but standing in the presence of the witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then documented by Luke and repeated by other New Testament writers. The force of this affirmation is, this will happen. Not maybe, not could be, not speculation, certainty. The sense of it is, this will happen. You know, the fact that it hasn't happened yet in no way diminishes the certainty of the promise that it will occur. A credible promise doesn't weaken before the promise is fulfilled. (coughs) As time passes... And as time passed after this announcement, there were skeptics and mockers who apparently chose to dismiss the historical truth about Jesus altogether, that he was born of a virgin in fulfillment of prophecy, performed signs and wonders, spoke the truth from God, was crucified, but arose from the dead and sent the Holy Spirit to fill the apostles to provide us with the New Testament. There were and are scoffers and mockers and unbelievers. But the sense of this affirmation is this will happen. 
He will come again. And this is what we need to know. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Again, this carries the tone of no speculation, no guesswork, but rather assurance and certainty. The Lord will descend from heaven. This will happen. Now, this is fully in harmony with the promise given by the two men in Acts chapter 1, reported by Luke. It was said, This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Paul to the Thessalonians, the Lord will descend from heaven. And it says, <coughs> with a cry of command. This is not the cry of someone falling. This is not a cry of something happening haphazard. This is not an impulse. It is in keeping with the divine plan. It's in God's time. It's according to His will. It is by His authority that this will occur with a cry of command. With the voice of an arch, uh, archangel. It seems like in the venue of public religious discourse... Everybody wants to know everything about angels and what they do. And there is a huge playing field of speculation about angels, guessing, claiming, wondering, was this an event that was the work of an angel? Or did they help me this way or that way? Those conversations are very common, when really the knowledge we have is limited to what the Bible says about angels. Side point. I believe one of the most important chapters in the Bible is Hebrews chapter 1. You know what it says? Jesus is superior to angels. Angels didn't die for you. Angels are not your savior, your mediator, your authority, your hope. <coughs> God used them in his plan. And God didn't think it necessary to inform us of everything that angels do. But here's something very plain. The Lord will someday descend from heaven with a cry of command, and there will be the voice of the archangel. We have in the Bible no census for angels. The number of angels isn't given. Apparently, there is some order or rank though details are not revealed. The angel who met Joshua at Jericho identified himself as commander of the Lord's army in Joshua 
Michael was called an archangel by Jude in Jude verse 9 and is referred to in Daniel as one of the chief princes, Daniel 10, 13. He stands watch over the son of your people, Daniel 12 and verse 1. The angel Gabriel, who appeared to Daniel, announced the births of John the Baptist and Jesus. So Paul says the voice associated with the second coming will be the voice of an archangel, perhaps the higher rank than the two men in white robes in Acts chapter 1. And then there is the trumpet. Musical instruments communicate more than just designated notes. Cellos sound haunting and wistful. A flute is light and playful. Drums have to do with rhythm or beat and volume. Trumpets are associated with announcements, calls to take notice. They muster people to respond. Some of you may know that in the army I was a bugler and I was expected when the commander gave me the order that I would give the attention of all within the sound of that instrument. Trumpets are associated with battles, victories, and in the Bible, the end of things. Taps is the end of things. In the Bible, in 2 Samuel 2, 24, Joab blew the trumpet and all the men stopped and pursued Israel no more, nor did they fight anymore. I don't know when the last time was that you heard a trumpet, but I know when the last time we will hear one. It will arrest our attention, and I hope and pray we are all ready because it will signify the end of things and the dead in Christ will rise first. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 combined with Hebrews 9:27 Christ Jesus it is said is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing as and his kingdom uh, include with that Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, it is appointed for man to die once, but after that, judgment. Someone might say, well, God judges us all the time. He knows what we're doing. He is the supreme evaluator of our thoughts and our conduct moment by moment. True. But there will be a final judgment that will be decisive and eternal. Every single time I read these passages and foresee that final reckoning, it should lead me to straight away examine myself in regard to my current and future relationship with God. And I think one of the most sobering passages about this aspect of the coming of Christ is found in Matthew 7, 
21 and 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. How will that be for me? How will it be for you? By the way, I heard someone say it like this one time. God didn't just throw down a New Testament and say, here you go, see you on Judgment Day. He sent His only begotten Son and said, here is how you can get ready to meet me in heaven. You can worship between now and then. You can join with other Christians. You can grow and pray and be more like Christ. God says, my son is coming. There will be judgment. You know what I've said. I want you to be ready. Here's the way. But don't just read what he said and delay and wait and procrastinate because the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Second Peter 3 and verse 10. This is what we need to know. Back in Arkansas in the 40s and 50s, preachers and Bible teachers would conduct Bible drills, especially for children. There might be a gospel meeting, and then before or after services or on a Saturday morning, all the children would come together, and the guest preacher would have a Bible drill. And many times in those Bible drills that I attended, near the end of the Bible drill time, the preacher would say something like this. What would you do if you looked up and the Lord is coming and children would raise their hands and offer up their answers. I remember a little girl who said, I'd run to the barn and hide. And I remember several boys about my age saying or thinking, I'd get on my bike with my buddy. We'd go to the church building and we'd baptize each other. Too early to fully understand there will not be enough time to quickly get ready. Now is the time. No opportunity to seek refuge then. Now is the time. There is a time to seek refuge now. And that's what we need to know. That's the message of the gospel. All of this is entirely serious. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, 
and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. What we need is help and mercy. Let God be thanked we can find mercy through the death of Jesus Christ. And we can find it and should and must before he comes again. What a difference it can make in your life when you use the Bible and you get ready. Do you recognize that God is above all? That the Bible is his word? That Christ is the Son of God? That sin is the problem? And that Christ is the solution? The apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit to give instructions about our response to the gospel. Hearing that message, believe in Jesus Christ. Place your trust in Him. Confess your faith in Him. Be baptized for the remission of your sins and live faithfully from now until you die or He comes. Let's be standing while we sing. Thank <laughs> you.